In a world where people like to watch movies, one group of friends will go on an epic journey to watch these movies. It's the Flick Fiends Podcast with Uncle Joe, Big Joe, and Jared. Now it's time to listen to the Fiends. Welcome back to another Flick Fiends podcast. This episode, I'm joined by Jared, and Hi. joining us for the first time is Devin. Hi there. So, I got something I need to ask you guys. Do you want to review Frozen? <laughs> Boy, do I. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I mean, we've already seen it, but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it right now. Jared, what did you think of Frozen? I really enjoyed it. Um, I kind of came from a newbie standpoint on this. I had just seen the first movie uh, a few days ago, actually, with you. I liked it. It was pretty good. So I was waiting with somewhat bated breath for the uh, second one because it's still fresh on my mind. And did you like this new one as well? I loved it. I thought it was actually a lot better than the first one in a lot of ways. I'll get into more on that later, but overall impression was I really did enjoy it a lot, and I felt it was a worthy successor to the first one, and did what a sequel should do. I I liked it a lot. I'm still mulling it over a bit. I'm not sure if it's better than the first one, but it is a very good movie. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it. It it definitely is a very different movie than the first one. And I feel that if you don't enjoy the first one, you're not going to enjoy this one. This one is almost, it's more of a crowd pleaser to people who are fans of those characters and their story. But I definitely enjoyed it. A couple of new characters introduced. I think there were some characters introduced that they did almost nothing with, and I'm wondering if they're going to have a spinoff movie for those people, for those characters. They could. I mean, I think they did a Christmas special or something maybe a year after the first Frozen came out. That's a good point. Pixar does a lot of shorts now, and I could see them doing a lot of shorts with these characters that they'll, you know, have at festivals and and then, of course, post on Disney+. Plus. What did you think of it? Uh, for anyone who has kids, it's pretty much a given. You're going to go see this anyway. But um, I will say I don't think you'll have the problem this time of the let it go scenario. Where you're going to have that one song playing over and over and over again for the next six years. But there are some songs that will stick with you. There are a lot of good songs in this movie. I feel like they tried to cram in maybe one too many. Absolutely. But there are several good songs. I'm still singing that. I'm still singing that Into the Unknown song. Yeah, that was one of the good ones. And the one with Elsa near the end when she's in Superman's Fortress of Solitude. Mm Mm-hmm. We can't forget. Wait, what? (laughs) We'll, We'll talk about it more in spoilers. We can't forget about uh, Kristoff's 80s rock power ballad. Oh my god, I was 
dying during that. That was hilarious. I was not expecting that. That was wonderful. I loved it. And while we're at it, I also was not expecting the credits to roll in this movie. And here, Into the Unknown, sung by Panic at the Disco. That was the last thing I expected for that movie. But apparently, that's on the soundtrack. And so is a Weezer version of the 80s rock power ballad that we heard in the movie. Which was also really good. So I meant to put this in near the front, but I'll go ahead and say it now. I've got a little PSA for everyone who's listening. If you have a child and you bring that child to a movie showing at almost 10 p.m., a showing that gets out at almost midnight, you're a bad parent and you need to stop doing that. I see parents keeping small children up past midnight all the time now. I don't know what the heck happened. I find that very unreasonable. I I don't know what they're thinking. When I was that age, I had to go to bed before the sun went down. Yeah, my bedtime was like eight when I was a young child. Yeah, it was around nine thirty, ten for me. But I mean, past that point, I'd get a lot of flack from my mom and I needed to get the hell to bed. Parenting is very different now than it was when we were children. Yeah, but um, the showing that we went to was the late, late, late showing. And it's what I like to call the bad parent showing because when someone brings a young child in there, you can tell who the bad parents are in your area. We had a couple of those. Yeah, there were at least two. I think maybe three. I think three. You know, we don't know their lives. There may be some circumstance that that's what they had to do. That was the only time available for them. And who knows? Maybe, I don't know, can children of that age suffer from insomnia? I'm not sure. Maybe. I have a counterpoint, though. The movie's going to be out for like two months at least. That is a very good point. But what do you do as a parent when your little one is throwing a fit that they want to see Elsa? You tell them they have to wait. It's called parenting. You tell them that they have to take that feeling and just let it go. Let it go. That's right. But, I mean, really, for the first time in forever, we have Frozen 2 coming out. And, you know, maybe they just really, 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 really need to go see this movie at 9.50 p.m. Here we are, as adults, bitching about children in our Disney movie viewing. Our animated Disney movie viewing. Well, that's the whole point of going to the late show, so we don't have to deal with the children. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We could go on about this for quite a while, I think. Yeah, we should move on. So... Like pretty much every other Pixar movie, they have Easter eggs. And I was, I noticed an Easter egg right off the bat at the very beginning of the movie. This movie opens up, this is spoiler free, the movie opens up with a pre frozen scene, like pre frozen one scene of uh, young Anna and Elsa playing with. Uh, little snow characters in, in, in a little snow village. And one of the characters is clearly seen as Baymax. I pointed that out to you as soon as I saw it. Apparently, I missed this, there were two more characters 
There was a Dumbo. There was a Dumbo. And apparently a Totoro. I missed the Totoro, but that doesn't surprise me at all because Disney and especially Pixar have huge influence from uh, Studio Ghibli. So I missed the Totoro altogether. There's another example of influence from that studio that we can talk about later once we get into spoiler territory. I also spoke to you about how I enjoyed Frozen 1, but didn't know the backstory at all. I had no idea that this was based off a Danish story, Snow Queen, which was written by Hans Christian Andersen. Had no idea. That's right. And in that story, the, uh, the Snow Queen is the villain. And actually, that was their biggest problem trying to make the first Frozen for a long time, is that they didn't know how to make it work with Elsa being a villain. And it wasn't until they got the song Let It Go that they actually changed her to being a good character. So they basically built a lot of that movie around that one song. That's really cool. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Well, I feel better that I'm not the only one that didn't know that. This, however, this movie was a completely new story that was written by Disney. I think they did a good job with it for having no prior groundwork laid. Yeah, I mean, I felt like the story was actually quite a bit tighter than the first one. That's kind of one of the things I really liked about it. Well, that and the, um, I felt like the cinematography was way better in this one. Though, you know, you got, like, better technology, I'm sure, and better graphics and, you know, all that from, when, when, did, when did the first one come out? 2013? 2013. So, you brought up a good point. Um, this movie was very beautiful. The first movie, Pixar created a, a new technology they made to render snow. They created really good snow physics, if we will, that were very realistic. And most of that movie takes place in snow. This movie, they venture north into the Enchanted Forest. And you can really see the influence of Sleeping Beauty when they get to the Enchanted Forest. The Enchanted Forest just looks almost exactly like the backdrop for the forest in Sleeping Beauty to me. And it's quite beauty beautiful. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of like fall colors and just reds and but it's almost kind of you know, it's an enchanted forest, but it's like it's gonna have like a ghostly sort of character to it. But they have that a lot in there. And I, I really like that. It's not just like eye poppingly bright you know, there's like a somberness to it. Until like the end of the movie, anyway. The color schemes that they use are really beautiful. I really like the Scandinavian decor that they use, which is also influenced by Sleeping Beauty a bit. No, visually, this movie was was very pleasing to the eye. For the most part, that's standard Disney production value these days, though. Yeah, so I spoke earlier about the physics of snow that... Pixar had to recreate for the first movie. This movie actually has quite a lot of water physics to it. They have very realistic water effects. And apparently some of the Pixar animators spoke about the fact that Moana and what they had to learn about creating water physics for that movie led into helping them create the water effects for this movie. 
So Moana laid the groundwork for those water physics in this movie. Who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, Elsa and Moana will cross paths. Never know. I think they should do a crossover event. That would be neat. It would be very neat. I don't know on whose turf they'll meet on. I don't think Moana is going to be, I don't think she's going to be inclined to venture into that very cold climate. And I don't know that Elsa will want to venture into that very warm climate. They need a middle ground. A meeting in the middle, as it were. We'll, uh, we'll have to figure out what other Disney CG properties are in that sort of geographical location. And then we'll have our answer. Well, we know that Tangled takes place in the same realm as Frozen. Supposedly that's a neighboring kingdom. Oh, really? Yeah. In the first Frozen, you can actually see Rapunzel and Flynn. You can actually see Rapunzel and Flint Rider walking into the kingdom during the celebration towards the tail end of the movie. Wow. I had completely forgotten about that. They had a cameo. It's the back of their heads, pretty much, but you can tell it's them. Well, should we get into the actual story and spoilers now? I think so. There's uh, other stuff I want to talk about that just ventures on spoiler territory. So let's go ahead and lay down the fact that this is the spoiler-filled section of the podcast. Here there be spoilers? Here there be spoilers. You're venturing into the unknown. So basically the plot of this movie is that there is this enchanted forest, as we've already discussed, but it has been sleeping from since before the time when they were children until the start of this movie, when the spirits start to wake up and they cause mischief in the town and everyone has to leave the town. So then Elsa, Anna, and the gang, they have to go north to figure out uh, how to stop it. We should say that there's four elemental spirits, if you will, four nature spirits. There's a spirit of fire, wind, water, and earth. Where's heart? Yeah, there's no heart. And that's why there's no Captain Planet. See there? If they had heart, Captain Planet could have saved time for this whole movie. It'd been over that's in like right. five minutes. But, um... Like you said, the townsfolk get run out of Arendelle, and to get to the bottom of this, there's a, there's a voice, a singing voice that Elsa can hear, only Elsa, and she ventures north to figure out why she's hearing this voice. And they go into the Enchanted Forest, which has a magical barrier around it, and not only did they find a way in, but the wind spirit seemingly pushes them in. They weren't walking through it fast enough. They get rushed through it. It's like one of those little turnstiles you have at the bank. And the, uh, the color palette for the Enchanted Forest, it's a very stark difference between what you see around Arendelle. Yes. Arendelle is right on the coast. Like, it's right on the water. And this is further up north. I'm assuming it's also apparently up... Not just north, but it's a, of a higher elevation, too. And the reason I say that is because there is a river that they come across, and the river has a dam that was placed there by Anna and Elsa's grandfather. 
a huge dam. Yeah, I guess we should mention that at the very beginning of the movie, you get a, a little story of how they used to be friends with those people, and then there was a fight, and they don't know exactly what happened in the fight, how it started, but there was a fight, and that's what triggered the barrier and uh, everything that happens in this movie. Yes, they come across, at the beginning of the movie, during the flashback to when Anna and Elsa were little children, their father tells them a story about, is it the North Alder? Am I pronouncing that right? That sounds right to me. Yeah, I think it's right. <laughs> he tells a story about Arendelle and the North Alder coming to an agreement, or more so, forming an alliance, and as a gesture of good faith, the king puts up this dam, and then they have a meeting of Arendelle forces and North Alder forces, and everything seemingly is going great. The North Alder are heavily based in nature. They're grounded in nature, and they summon and use the spirits of the forest, the, uh, the spirits we talked about before, the spirit of earth, spirit of fire, water, wind, and they use them almost like the earth and uh, airbenders and avatar. Yeah. So everything seemingly goes fine. They're showing them how they can use these other elements to do different things, like they're uh, surfing on the water and stuff in one point when they show them. And I think they even have the wind sort of tossing them around in a fun way. And then out of nowhere, seemingly, everybody just starts fighting. The two sides just start fighting. And so everything's ruined. And Anna and Elsa's father who was a young boy at this time, gets knocked unconscious and someone saves him and he makes it back to Arendelle, but he has no idea who, apparently. So about this point, after they get into the forest, we meet these new characters that have been stuck inside of the barrier the whole time. You have the, uh, the aldermen or whatever they're called. There are some uh, soldiers from Arendelle as well. And they've just been in there for like 20 to 40 years. I want to say it's like 40 yeah, years. They, they've been in there quite a while. And they don't have a whole lot to do in this movie. But I will say I really enjoyed the the one guy who was like uh, her father's old personal guard. Because when Olaf is basically doing this skit slash story of everything that's happened since Frozen 1. He's having these hilarious reactions to everything that's going on like it's a movie. I love it. Yeah, and that, that guy was voiced by uh, Sterling Brown, too. I enjoy that guy. I like him in movies, even if it's just his voice. Oh, real quick, the tribe from the north are North Uldra. North Uldra. Okay. They know a lot about the spirits, and they make mention a couple of different times that there's a fifth spirit, supposedly. I don't know if they actually named him. Was that the person that, uh, whatever that other name is, that was unpronounceable wait which one at all whatever oh the the place elsa goes to to get answers the fortress of solitude if you will okay i had thought that was supposed to be a person but okay that was the place no that's like the whole island basically that she goes to like crosses the sea of darkness or whatever <laughs> sea of darkness 
crosses the Sea of Darkness to uh, Northrend and uh, <laughs> where the Fortress of Solitude is. And it really does look like the Fortress of Solitude on the inside. It really does. It does. Oh, and she gets there by taming an elemental uh, water horse. That was pretty cool. That whole sequence was just awesome. I love that. That was very cool. I was reading somewhere that that stallion is based off of a creature called the the neck. I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing that right. And it is from Germanic folklore. And in Germanic folklore, it apparently takes on many forms, but the most common one is apparently a stallion. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's very cool. It's also cool that she could apparently freeze it and turn it into an ice stallion. But uh, in the Fortress of Solitude, she finds out uh, who actually uh, started the fight. And it was her grandfather, because apparently he's a bad guy, I guess. Yeah, when she's in this, we're going to just keep calling it the Fortress of Solitude, I guess. When she's in this Fortress of Solitude, this big ice, big ice fortress, she sees these remnants of the past. And she sees the one of her grandfather telling one of his generals that this meeting is just a ruse to try and get all of the North Uldra around to where then they can eliminate them because he sees them as a threat because they use magic and anyone who uses magic opposes royalty in his eyes. And you can see why he would see him them as a threat seeing that he is the king of that land so he does that and also he created the dam seemingly as a gift to them but in reality it was affecting them negatively it was uh weakening their magic or something weakening the magic of the land i remember it as like her harming the forest or something and that's what eventually caused the uh the whole kerfuffle in the first place. So their grandfather actually took the first strike. He killed the leader of the North Uldra when he was completely unarmed and was oblivious to anyone raising a sword to him, actually. And that's really the only thing close to a villain in this movie is her grandfather, who's been dead for decades. So earlier I spoke about Pixar and Disney's influence from Studio Chibli. And Uncle Joe, maybe you can help me out on this. I was reading somewhere that apparently we have the North Uldra and Arendelle and this movie's plot with those two opposing groups mimics the plot of Princess Mononoke. We have the two opposing groups, one that's grounded in nature and one that's more modern, a bit more industrialized. Neither one of them is really the bad guy, necessarily. They're just, they're misinformed, or I don't know how else to put it. Yep, I don't know how else to put it. I'm sitting here trying to think of another way of wording that. But do you see a comparison there with the plot of this movie and Princess Mononoke? I actually haven't watched that all the way through. Oh, you failed me. I thought for sure you were going to tell me. I, I know, I'm sorry. And I've never seen it. Goodness. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> there you have it. 
my point to it was that it's very rare to not have a villain in a Disney movie. But that said, uh, the plot for this movie is great. It works. I kept getting the sense that it was sort of mirroring the first Frozen in that kind of regard till it's like you don't figure out who the real bad person is or what's kind of going on till the like seven tenths through the movie i'd say but i mean they did a great job with that and i like that a lot i feel like they did that better in this movie than they did in the first one well let me ask you all this is there anything y'all didn't like about this movie no not really I mean, I, I really did enjoy it. I got a couple of things I would like to mention. So one of the things that I feel like is a little bit of a plot hole is that her mother is from the uh, North Aldra people, actually. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Not only is her mother North Aldra, and they don't find that out until the very end, but she is the one who rescued their father. But... Here they are, two children born of North Uldra and Arendelle, and they are the two to unite those two factions. For some reason, you know, she doesn't seem to know anything in the first movie about Elsa's powers, so they have a little bit of a retcon, but they do it in such a way that it works for the plot and it comes off well. It's not, it shouldn't get under your skin. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really bother me or anything. But it's just something that kind of stuck out to me. Like, as soon as they announced, I was like, wait a second. Not all the first movie. She was so worried about the magic. And the other thing that was a little weird is that Elsa decides to live with the North Aldra people at the end. She mentions that they should build a bridge. And a bridge has two sides. So Elsa decides to stay with the North Aldra while Anna gets promoted to queen back in Arendelle. I do remember them explaining this, and maybe it's just me, but I just don't understand why it has to be like that. I don't think they did a very good job of explaining why they have to take that position and they can't just be a unified people. Yeah, it does seem a little bit rushed at the end. Like, all the loose ends got tied up pretty quickly as far as the uh, Arendelle royalty and you know succession of power and all that just kind of like oh well okay she is there she is all right she uh she has to stay in the north to hold back the white walkers because there must always be a lich queen (laughs) oh god so many things wrong with that oh man this is crammed too many pop culture references together there but yeah, that, those are my only two tiny, tiny gripes about it. It's a very good movie. If you're an adult and you have to take your children to see this, you're going to like it, probably. Just don't go to the 10 o'clock showing. And don't bring your screaming kids to the 10 o'clock showing. I will tell you one thing that I really enjoy. I enjoy Olaf and how they let Josh Gad just ad-lib his lines like he reads the lines as they're written he ad-libs a bit and they have several takes and i guess they take the ones that don't have swearing in them and they put them into the movie 
there's a scene in the movie where Olaf gets separated once they make it into the Enchanted Forest. And as he's wandering around looking for Anna and Elsa, and he's calling everybody's name, he calls out for Anna, he calls out for Elsa, and then he calls out for Samantha. And then he laughs and says, uh, he's like, I don't even, I don't even know a Samantha. And I think that that was actually ad-libbed. And so his laughter actually, after he says that, is completely genuine. And I just, I enjoyed that scene a lot because of that. I would not be surprised. We did not talk about Olaf very much, but he always has really funny lines. He does. They did something fairly convenient in this movie to where Elsa has apparently imbued Olaf with permafrost, making him immune to the elements. And so at the very beginning of the movie, when you see Olaf in this movie, when he first appears on screen, he's basking in the sun. The thing that he was talking about how much he wanted to do in the first movie warmed my heart a bit. I like that he spent so much time talking about how when he's older, he won't have any problems or have to worry about anything, and he'll know everything. I just thought that was a funny joke for adults. I did enjoy when they're making their trip to the Enchanted Forest, and Olaf is in the wagon just spouting out these factoids. I enjoyed those a lot. Varying levels of truth there. Some were true. Some were not so true. Which ones were not true? Man, I'm not even sure. I'm going to have to go look up some of those. I do want to know how Olaf even knows what a gorilla or a wombat is. Well, he did mention earlier uh, during the charades game that he learned how to read. So that's the only explanation I can give you on that. I guess so. Well, gentlemen, is there anything else? I guess that about does it. <laughs> I guess that'll uh, that'll about do it. Go see the movie that's probably made a hundred million this weekend, and we'll see you next time here on Flick Fiends. Bye bye. Bye bye, everybody.